All right, well, welcome to this episode of the Texas Tech edition of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jackson Moody. we got a lot to talk about today. Texas Tech goes down 37-28 in Manhattan. I'll recap that game a bit, uh, give you some takeaways. I think there were some positives for Texas Tech to build off of. I know there were some controversial calls that people have been talking about. I'll touch on that one in the Big 12 refs. I'll talk about our QB position going forward. I know a lot of people have been talking about that. Then some keys to the game against Oklahoma State. Preview that one a bit coming up 2.30 p.m. on Saturday. And then some picks around the Big 12. We have an interesting week in the Big 12 to say the least. We have a ranked Kansas team taking on a ranked TCU team and hosting college game day. We got Farmageddon at primetime. Obviously, we have our game, the Dust Bowl, Red Dirt Rivalry, whatever you want to call it. Oklahoma State's trying to take the series lead for the first time. Then a couple unranked teams going at it in some old stadium in Dallas that uh, we'll give you some picks on. So here we go. All right, so I will start out by saying I feel a lot better after the Kansas State loss than I did after the loss to NC State. And there's a few reasons why that I'll touch off of. But I just want to recap the game real quick. Obviously, started bad. Adrian Martinez has like a 50-yard run on a draw play on the first play of the game. And second plays at Adrian Martinez touchdown. I will say one positive from Texas Tech, Xavier White got a good kickoff return, which we haven't seen much of. This one he fielded inside the five. I am completely cool if it's kind of a low kick for fielding it inside the five. If it's in the end zone, I want to take the touchback. But he take, took it up to midfield. I'm really happy with that. Offense does nothing. Um, Adrian Martinez completes a good 39 throw when he was pressured. They forced him out of the pocket. Defensive line did their job. Just couldn't get to him. Martinez is a versatile player. That's going to happen. Um, we forced a field goal. Donovan Smith comes up short on fourth and one. Forced another field goal. You know, down 13-0 after the first quarter. A lot of us Texas Tech fans, Donovan Smith could not hit anybody early on. Um, we've seen this story before, and normally it ends with a blowout, but that wasn't the case. The defense kept us in the game. Offense got into a rhythm in that second quarter. Um, obviously, Taj Brooks fumbled, but we got the ball right back. Smith with a nice touchdown pass to Martinez. I will say he had really good protection by the offensive line. As a crossing route, he just found him on the middle going to the right. Uh, good throw, good protection, good route running, good play call. Nothing to complain about there. You're back in the game 13-7. Get the ball back late. Um, a stupid, stupid penalty by a Kansas State defender on a late hit. There's just no reason for that. He was clearly out of bounds. Um, sets up a long Trey Wolf field goal, 57 yard, or Sorry, not 57. That would be insane. He, he ain't Gary Bay. 51-yarder, uh, but it probably would have been good from 57, honestly. Um, and then it's 13-10 at halftime. Automatically, you're back in the game. Um, we kick a field goal on third, on fourth and three to tie the game up. I like that. I I like that. It was around the 15 to 20 yard line. If you're inside the five, I say you go for it no matter what. Um, with this team and all the weapons and the defensive front, but I'm really happy kicking the field goal when you're in between the 10 and 20 yard line. Um, but then. After we tie it, Deuce Vaughn does what Deuce Vaughn does. Takes the first run inside the 10. Although I will say this. The refs missed a blatant hold here. Blatant hold. I mean, 
our defensive lineman was being choked. It was on the interior, so I'm not too mad because a lot of interior holds do get missed. It's a lot uh, easier to get away with it when you're a guard or you're a center than when you're a tackle. And it was a guard in that situation. It may have been a center. I may be wrong on that. But it was definitely in the interior. So not as mad about that missed call. Those do happen sometimes. But it is worth noting that huge play. I don't think that was a complete defense breakdown. I think one of our players was held who could very easily stop that for no gain or a one-yard gain or something like that. Anyways, we catch a break. There's a holding penalty. They're backed up to the 19. And this is kind of when you knew the breaks weren't going our way today. After they missed the hold there. And then they throw it to Brooks. He juggles it and catches it for a touchdown. And I got to say, they were lucky that we were in man coverage. Because normally, if you're in zone coverage and you juggle a ball, there's a good chance that's picked off. Massive momentum turner. But that wasn't the game. It was a touchdown, 20-13. Both touchdowns at that point were two play drives. And I will say, Kansas State didn't move the ball that well. A lot of what happened was just big plays against us. Anyways, Xavier White, nice touchdown to him after Miles Price goes out on a crossing route. Uh, Trey Wolf, he missed a 44-yarder, tied at 20 to start the fourth. And that's when things went bad for us. To say the least. Uh, Martinez on his third play. 68-yard draw for a touchdown. 27-20. We get the ball back. We have a screen to White. After a holding penalty and an incomplete pass on second 20. Again to Xavier White. I will say Xavier White stepped up big time when Miles Price went out. I do have a lot of confidence in Xavier White. He's, he's one of those guys who switched to kick returner. He started as a wide receiver. Went to running back. Back to wide receiver, just trying to get on the field. I do have confidence in him. He made some nice plays for us. And then the play that changed the game. In our own territory, about 12 minutes left, we go for it on a fourth and five. And there is an obvious mispass interference. The ball did hit Sparkman in the hands, but the defender, he went through Sparkman like a second before the ball got there. Like, I'm sorry. I don't know how you missed that. I don't know how the refs missed that one. I, I'm not saying that Texas Tech deserved to win the game. I don't think they did. I think Kansas State made the big plays, and we didn't. But that, I mean, if you get a pass interference, you're in Kansas State territory down seven, and you've been moving the ball well lately. Instead, ball goes back to Kansas State. We force a field goal. Donovan Smith holding the ball too low. low. Not enough pocket awareness. Ball gets popped out. Kansas State takes over. Martinez runs it in for a touchdown, 37-20, and that that seals it. I mean, that Smith fumble was crucial. And I'll talk, touch on the quarterback position in a bit, but that will be a part that comes up there. And then we get a nice touchdown. Smith runs it in, three-yarder. Uh, Smith to Tharp for two, 37-28. We recover on onside kick. Credit to Trey Wolf. That was a really good onside kick. I have confidence if we need an onside kick, we have the best one of the best ones out there for it. Um, of everybody, it was Merriweather recovering it. And then the play everybody will talk about. The play that everybody will rightfully talk about. I'm not saying it changed the game. We're down nine. There were less than three minutes left. But there was an obvious whistle. And we all heard it. And I'm going to play it for you all. Um, so in this 
video that I'm about to play, you're, you're not going to see the video. You'll hear the audio. All of this audio is before the ball is caught. All right, so I will say there were 57 minutes that we did not make the plays to win the game before that. But in that play, you heard multiple, multiple whistles going off. Play should be dead. Inadvertent whistle, replay the down. First down. And the fact that they went over to Joey McGuire and said no, no whistles were blown, is just a load of BS. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, we, they're acting like we're stupid. We all heard the whistles. You're down nine. You score a touchdown in two plays. There's two minutes left. You have all three timeouts. You can get on side again. You can kick it deep, force a three and out, have to go 60 yards, and kick a field goal to win the game. I mean, in two minutes. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. And... Look, I'm not saying we win the game without that. ESPN, FPI had our chances at like 3% at that point. But come on. Are we really, really ending a game at that point? Are we really ending a game with an inadvertent whistle? And that's the third time in two weeks the Big 12 refs were awful. It happened against Iowa State. I will say all three three times the better team won, I believe. The team that played better won. But Iowa State has the right to feel like they got hosed. Texas Tech has a right to feel like they got hosed. Uh, I know the missed hold on the interior happens all the time. But that missed P.I. call on fourth down, we all saw it. And then the, the, the inadvertent whistles that they say, nope, didn't happen, didn't happen. John Kurtz from K-State was even saying, yeah, that happened. Y'all have a right to be mad. And I will say, if they don't call it off, K-State fans have a right to be complaining that why are you blowing a whistle there? But even the defensive player that made the pick, he got up and just put his head back. He knew that it was an inadvertent whistle. He knew the play wasn't going to count. And TCU, horrible missed PI call where their guy got laid out, and then they call they they say they call a fair catch when he clearly didn't. I mean, this is ridiculous. This is the third time in two weeks, and at some point. It's going to happen in a Big 12 game, and the team that deserves to win the game ain't going to win the game. All right, but anyways, I don't think that's why we lost the game. Uh, We have a lot to talk about just as a game recap. Uh, Miles Price goes down injured. That's a huge blow. That's your best receiver out there. Now, I have confidence in Xavier White and Martinez on the interior. Boyd needs to play in there. He's really reliable too, but he doesn't quite do what Miles Price does. Um but he's listed, it looked like an ankle injury. He's listed as a game time decision. He's still listed as a starter in the depth chart. If you ask my opinion on it, I don't think that he plays against Oklahoma State. That would be my guess. I'm laying 60% chance that he's out against Oklahoma State. And then I think that he's back against West Virginia. That's kind of what I'm hearing on it. Um, I thought our defense played all right. I thought that they were put in a lot of bad positions made plays a lot of times to keep us in the game. Um, I still have confidence in our defense. I mean, Kansas State, they didn't move the ball much. Everything they got was big plays, and they were just an explosive team. One of the big plays wasn't even a complete breakdown. It was a holding penalty. And then one of them, it's bobbled. If you're in zone coverage, that's a pick probably. But I, I thought our defense played okay. Our offensive line was bad. Our, there's no sugarcoating it. Offensive line played bad today. Um, Donovan Smith 
didn't get the job done done today. I mean, I'm on Saturday. I'm sorry, but Donovan Smith just wasn't good enough. And I'll talk about the quarterback position here in a minute or two. Um, but man, this is the third time in four games that he just didn't have a good game. And Houston's kind of a wash, but it's still two out of the last three. He did not play well. I think my biggest criticism of the coaching staff as a whole is that we just didn't get the ball to Sir Roderick Thompson or Taj Brooks enough. I mean, Thompson got six carries for 55 yards. Taj Brooks had 10 carries for 39 yards. Not great, but Sir Roderick Thompson was running it well. I got texts from UT fans after the game saying, oh, Thompson's definitely going pro. I mean, just the way he runs the ball. Then you got Donovan Smith with 18 carries. I know that counts a lot of sacks, but man, I, I just don't. Donovan Smith isn't that good of a runner. I'm sorry. And he's willing to bulldoze people over, but he's made one person miss in his career. And to be fair, that was a huge play against Texas on fourth down that he made a miss. It was a good time for it, but he's he's not a great runner. He's just, he he's not. I'd rather give it to Thompson or Brooks. Um, I will say, Xavier White, nine receptions, 120 yards. I said that earlier. I feel confident with him in the slot, man. I feel really good about it. Trey Cleveland just mossed a dude, then drug him for another 15 yards. He got 98 yards on three receptions. I think Trey Cleveland should be starting on the outside, whether that's with Fungi or Sparkman. I don't know, but, I mean, man. Trey Cleveland, I want to see him get more touches. Uh, Miles Price, six receptions for 44 yards. I, I think there's a lot to look in the mirror about on the offensive side. We'll touch on the quarterback position. But, man, our our offensive line has to be better. They made improvements from Houston to NC State, however slight they may have been. Then they looked pretty good against Texas, and they regressed back to what they had been against Kansas State. And to be fair, I think there's a good chance Kansas State has a better front um, seven than Texas does. But still, you can't regress that badly. And looking at the depth chart for this upcoming week, not a lot stood out to me. Uh, two things stood out to me, though. Miles um, Price is still listed as a starter, so he's a game-time decision. As I said earlier, I kind of doubt he'll play, but I wouldn't be shocked if he plays. And then on the left tackle, Ty Buchanan has been switched to left tackle uh, to back up Caleb Rogers. So... I don't think Caleb Rogers' slot is overly secure right now, which I, th- I think is fair. I mean, he had a really bad first half against Houston. He started to play better, but he regressed back to what he had been. Um, so I think it's fair that he's under some criticism. Now to the quarterback position, because I do think there's some positives to take away. I will say we lost a ranked team on the road um, that were eight-point dogs against. There were uh, fan- uh missed inadvertent whistle that they said never happened and we lost by nine when we were driving so i i don't think it's all uh throw it out tech's not winning another game this year we're gonna beat west virginia i feel like i think we beat kansas at home i think we pick off at least one more maybe two maybe three more and we get to a bowl game so i'm not overly worried but the quarterback position going forward and so it seems like the timetable for tyler shuck is hopefully West Virginia after the bye week, but they did mention it may be Baylor. They're trying to see if he's ready for that. Earlier on, it said, oh, maybe he'll be ready for Oklahoma State. That's clearly not happening. 
Donovan Smith, for every Baron Morden fan out there, I'm sorry. He's starting in Oklahoma State and Stillwater. You're not putting Baron Morden out there with his last big start being in 3A football against a top 10 team on the road. That's just not happening in the middle of the season. Um, but quarterback position going forward, I think the way that it has to go now, I thought coming into these two games, Donovan Smith needed one average game and one good game to have a chance to unseat Tyler Shuck. That hasn't happened. He had a bad game. Um, he's ranking last in the Big 12 in QBR. He's ranking first in uh, passing yards, but that doesn't tell the whole story. He's still up there in interceptions and completions and all that. I think that it's going to be Donovan Smith starting. And look, I'm not throwing the book out on Donovan Smith. He is capable of surprising us in Stillwater. You can see the potential in Donovan Smith there. I think that there is a good chance that he may give us the best chance to win in Stillwater because if he plays a clean game against Texas and Spencer Sanders is a little bit shaky, I think we can win that game. But I I am kind of concerned about the Baron Morden thing. So I heard the interview with Zach Kitley today. And he said, look, Baron's physically he's ready. Physically he's there. But basically, just mentally, we're still trying to work on that. He's still a young guy. He's waiting for his time. But it is his second year in there. He redshirted his first year, got some playing time. This time last year, Donovan Smith was in the same position, except he got no playing time his first season. Both of those came into both of those players came into their second season as a third string quarterback. I would love to see Barry Morton get out there, have a chance. I, I don't think it's gonna happen in Stillwater. But if Donovan Smith has a bad game, I think there's a good chance that we could see Barry Morton get the start at home against West Virginia if Tyler Shuck isn't ready. Now, I think no matter what happens, even if Donovan Smith has a good game, Tyler Shuck's got to be the guy against West Virginia if he's ready. Because I'm sorry, Donovan Smith is too inconsistent right now in his career. Not saying he can't become consistent, but right now, today, in his career, he is too inconsistent to take us where we want to be in the Big 12 for this season. He's too inconsistent to get us to 5-4 and four in the Big 12. And... I, I think that's just a fact that we all have to realize right now. Look, I want Texas Tech to succeed. Whoever is starting at quarterback, I'm going to be a fan of theirs. But through five, four games with him as a starter, he had a not a good game against Houston. He, he made the clutch plays. He had a bad game against NC State. He had a really good game against Texas. Then he went back to having a bad game against Kansas State. You, you just can't live on that. So anyways, in conclusion, uh, if Tyler Shuck can come back against West Virginia, I think he should be the guy. If Donovan Smith has a good game against Oklahoma State and Tyler Shuck can't come back against West Virginia, I think Donovan Smith should be the guy. If he has a bad game, I think Baron Morden should be the guy. I think that's the scenario we should look at for this week and going into West Virginia. And now on to Oklahoma State. I do think this is a winnable game for Texas Tech. I really do. Um, Now, we're going to need some trouble from Spencer Sanders. And I will say, we didn't get the bad Adrian Martinez. I'm hoping we get the bad Spencer Sanders. But there are some questionable decisions Spencer Sanders makes. I mean, just, just watching him against Baylor, he made he threw a pick on third down short of the sticks on an out route. 
in, in his own side of the field. I mean, I saw that and it's just like, man, that is a Spencer Sanders throw right there. And now he has a flair for the spectacular and he has a flair for the horrible as well. So don't get me wrong. He can light us up, win this game by 20 points. But weird things happened in Stillwater. Don't forget 2016, we lost the game because we missed an extra point within a minute to go. In 2018, we were huge underdogs, blew them out in Stillwater. And then in 2020, we may win the game if it's not for that on fake on or surprise onside kick. I am sorry about my English there. Surprise onside kick that got returned for the touchdown. We may win that game. So I don't think us winning in Stillwater is at all out of the question. I think that we're going to need to take advantage of their defense. It has been slightly soft, slightly vulnerable. Blake Shapin exploited it some, and he hasn't been having a great season. So, look, if the good Donovan Smith shows up, that he takes care of the ball, we get a couple turnovers or off of Spencer Sanders, force a fumble somewhere. I, I think this is a winnable game for Texas Tech. Weird things happen in whatever you want to call it. Red Dirt Rivalry, Dust Bowl, whatever. Weird things happen in Stillwater when these two teams get together. I know 2021, uh, 23-0. Believe me, I drove 16 hours round trip to watch us lose 23-0. Wasn't happy about it. But especially when this game's played in Stillwater with at least an experienced quarterback from our standpoint and a quarterback who is mistake-prone and Spencer Sanders, I do think that this is a bit more winnable of a game than a lot of people are giving us credit for. Um, so I, I could see us pulling the upset here. I could definitely see it. And look, after this, the schedule is going to lighten up for us. If we pull the upset, we are talking, Hey, we're hanging in the big 12 race. We have West Virginia at home. We have Baylor at home after that. Baylor looks vulnerable right now. Yes. I know we go to TCU, but that could be a friendlier atmosphere than we would expect. And I mean, TCU, I know they look good, but there is a chance Max Duggan reverts back to the quarterback he was for the past three or four years. And then we have a stretch where we play Kansas at home, Iowa State on the road. Iowa State looks vulnerable right now too, and then Oklahoma at home who looks vulnerable. So look, if we win this game against Oklahoma State, we're talking, hey, we can hang in this Big 12 race at least to mid to late November. I really believe that. If we lose this game to Oklahoma State, I still think we're making a bowl game. I still think we're getting one off of Baylor or Iowa State. I mean, I'm I'm not overly scared of either of them. I think we could beat TCU on the road. I think we could beat OU at home. I still think we make a bowl game. The season's not lost. We lost by nine with a, with a couple controversial calls going against us to a team we were eight-point dogs against who I thought was going to make it to Arlington before the year. So I am far from throwing this year out. Anyways, I think we got a chance against Oklahoma State. I think it's right that we're about 11-point dogs right now, but uh, getting into picks for this coming week. So I guess I'll go chronologically here. Um, I'll start with the two unranked teams in Dallas, Texas at OU, the only game in the Big 12 not featuring a ranked team. Texas is my 7.5. I will say I've had a couple tweets this week kind of bashing both of these teams that have gotten a couple thousand likes and texas fans have been in the comments and OU fans have not they are way more confident in their team texas minus seven and a half though 
I think this opened at about five and a half. I thought, okay, yeah, I like Texas by a touchdown, at least six points. It's moving to seven and a half. It's a tough one. I I, I think Quinn Ewers is going to play. I'm leaning Texas, but I would not be shocked to see OU cover this one. This is kind of an iffy spread for me. Not the most confident in it. If I had to pick, I'm taking Texas minus seven and a half. Now to the other 11 a.m. game, uh, TCU at Kansas. TCU's minus seven. I like TCU in this one. Look, the Kansas story's been great. I think Max Duggan may actually be the real deal now that he has an offensive-minded head coach. Um, I think the clock's just going to strike midnight on Kansas here. Their defense looked better, but Jalen Daniels didn't look great uh, against Iowa State, which... Doesn't shock me, but he didn't get many throws either. So I'm taking Texas or TCU minus seven here. Um, I don't think they're going to have a letdown after the game against OU. Normally you go to Kansas, that's a game you look over. Well, when college game day is there, maybe not. But Farmageddon, this one's interesting. This one opened as a pick Kansas minus two and a half. Okay, so my play here is I'm taking Iowa State money line plus 104. And here's why. Here is why. If you take Iowa State plus two and a half, you're getting minus 112. I think Iowa State plus 104. Here's what Kansas State does really well. They run the ball with Adrian Martinez and they run the ball with Deuce Vaughn. Iowa State has the best run defense in the Big 12 right now through two conference games. They looked really good against the Kansas team who likes to run the ball with a lot of different running backs. And they kind of held Baylor at bay a bit whose mindset is to run the ball. So I think Iowa State money line, I would wait until Friday because I think this line's going to move more. I think this one's going to move closer to four, three and a half points. And I think you're going to be able to get them at plus 120 on the money line. So I'm waiting till Friday. And if Iowa State gets up to at least plus 120 on the money line, I'm taking the Cyclones in this one. This is a rival game. I will say, this is a beautiful rivalry matchup. I've already seen tweets about comparing wheat and corn. What, which, which makes a better beer, wheat or corn? Um, uh, somebody tweeted out a map of all the rivers in western Iowa that you can go to the bathroom in that would go into Kansas's water supply. So, I mean, I think this is going to be a dogfight. Uh, Iowa State's already won one dogfight when they're probably the less talented team. I think there's a good chance they do it again because what Kansas State does really well, their strength is running the ball, and Iowa State State's strength is defending the run. So I think this is going to be a really interesting game. I think it's a 50-50 toss-up. If I can get Iowa State at plus money, I'm taking them. Now, to Texas Tech at Oklahoma State, plus 9.5. I think we do cover it. Last three times we've been to Stillwater, it's been a tight game. Except for the one we blew them out in. Except for the one we blew them out in. This is also a rivalry game. This is going to be kind of what Farmageddon was. So, some backstory on Farmageddon. Uh, Kansas State-Iowa State wasn't a huge rivalry game by any means. Um, wasn't a big deal. It was kind of the game that they played on the last week because Nebraska already always played Colorado and Missouri played Kansas. Then when all the teams in the North left, except for them two and Kansas, they said, all right, we're going to make this a big rivalry game. Played a couple games in Kansas City. I don't think we're going to see a neutral site between Texas Tech and Oklahoma State, but I could see this 
kind of becoming what Farmageddon is, where you have these big rivalries. And this is the new Texas-Oklahoma rivalry in the Big 12. I mean, Oklahoma State's called little brother to OU. Texas Tech's not even little brother. They're kind of called the stepchild to A&M and Texas. I think that this is going to be a really interesting one. I think we cover the 9.5, and and we're plus 290 on the money line. Plus 290 on the money line. I'd sprinkle something on that. The over-under on this game is 67.5. I'm leaning towards the under. I'm leaning towards the under. I think Oklahoma State has a better defense right now. And I think Texas Tech has a good defense. All they have to do is prevent giving up the big plays. But I'm really excited for this week. I I know it's a long shot that we win this, this game. We probably have about a 20 to 25% chance. But, hey, man, we're going on the road against top 10 team with a 20 to 25% chance to win this game. And if we win it, we're talking about, hey, we're hanging in this conference race and you're one of Joey McGuire. I'm excited for it. Uh, 2.30 p.m. on Saturday. It's going to be a fun one. So hopefully I'm talking to you all next time on Monday uh, after a win. And next time I'm going to talk a little basketball too. I'll recap the Oklahoma State game, talk a little basketball. The next week I'll preview the West Virginia game, talk some more basketball. I think that's a good time to do it in the bye week with the season coming up. So we'll talk a little bit basketball coming up next week and hopefully recap a win against Oklahoma State. But thanks for listening to another episode of the Texas Tech edition of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. Thank you. Bye.